This is Ali Khalifi, and you're watching Rugby Wrap-Up. Well, hi, everybody. No, we're not going to start it that way. Coming up next on Rugby Wrap-Up, Matt McCarthy and Steve Lewis talking Major League Rugby. Rugby Wrap-Up brought to you in part by Irish Rugby Tours, the Rugby Tours people. A balanced palate, nutrition for peak performance. AFIA Sports Training Group and Big and Whistle on West 36th Street, the world's best rugby pub. Hey everybody, welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Matt McCarthy and the dashing Steve Lewis at the Fantasy Sports Network Studio 34 in Midtown Manhattan talking rugby. And Steve, we are talking rugby on our own turf. Major League Rugby, chock full of excitement. But before we get to that, how are you again? Excellent. All right, good, good. Now that we're all caught up. Every match, a tight match. Every match, fans on their seats. Uh, different geographies, different climates, different uh, elements of Mother Nature, but all exciting, good rugby. I was in Seattle. You were here in New York. I was. All right. So did you go to the watch party? It At the Pig and Whistle? At the Pig and Whistle. That's P&W. rugby pub in New York City. Uh, actually, it was a good turnout for the Rooney watch party there. Yeah, the Rooney fans, guys, uh, or folks, have that thing going pretty well. But P&W, I mistook for... Pig and Whistle in the thread uh, from the Seattle contingent, and I didn't realize until I was on the plane, it's not P&W, Pig and Whistle, that's Pacific Northwest. Interesting note. That's- it's that too. Anyway, back to the rugby. Yeah. Uh, that was I, it. That's the whole segment. Yeah, yeah. I have, yeah. To, I have to concur with your sentiments. So when you have four games, yeah. which are decided by a total of 10 points, two and a half, that's a really good spread. And why is that important? That's important because it makes for a competitive product. It makes fans interested. People want to come back the next week. There's no blowouts, particularly when you have two new teams coming in. There's yeah. a concern either they're not up to it or they're too good. It looks like they're fitting right in. So fantastic for um, the league as a whole. The product looks good in week one, and we're looking forward to week two. And here's, a, here's something that I noted. Uh, well, there's a couple of things, but there could have been blowouts. And that uh, some of these matches were forming. 15 nothing. that New York was up on San Diego in San Diego. 24-7 at halftime, NOLA was on top of Toronto. Those games could have been really out of hand, and they weren't. They were credit to both teams that made those games exciting and kept the fans on their seats and, and give you impetus to watch them next week thinking, okay, they ironed out some kinks. Agreed. Wow. Okay. Because a pig? I just said, I just a said, snowball in hell. I just said all that. Did you just say that? <laughs> all right, then I'll cut it out. Okay, good. Uh, all right, so let's, let's – um, which one do you want to start with, Steve? Let's start with New York, hometown team. Long time coming, right? Professional rugby in New York. Uh, first game out there. Obviously, they've had some issues, you know, weather here and training this time of year, putting a team together. So it was their first time on the field in in anger, you know, firing live bullets and um, dominated early. But a guy named Lou Stanfield with three World Cups as a part-time player. Their team is down a man, and he just steps it up a notch. He's all over the pitch. They roar back with 16 unanswered points. But then it's like a heavyweight bout. Somebody gets knocked down, somebody comes back. New York lets up 16 unanswered points, but then a great chip and chase, a chip and collect by Connor Wallace-Sims off of great passes from Luke Hume and Ben Foden gets them into a penalty kick situation, even though they're down a man because Matt Houston got sent to the bin. Kahal Marsh kicks it, stellar player, and just a great match. But then coming storming back is the Legion. So you've had this, this back and forth, and then it leads to that Pivotal try, that pivotal penalty try that I know is 
probably got your attention. You're a fan of referees. You know, you can get down to the specifics of the hand, but in, in this day and age, in this day and age, this season and the last season, referees are specifically looking to this and they're going to give the benefit of doubt to the attack as they should. So really, as a coach these days, if, if you don't go with it for two hands, you can forget it. It's penalty, it's penalty try, it's yellow card, possibly red card. In fact, penalty try ought to be one or the other. Um, I, I think there were some other, other things out of the game. So it was interesting to see Lou Stanford come back, also Mike Petrie, after years of sort of retirement out in the wilderness. Both performed pretty well, I thought. I Six thought, World Cups between the two of them. Yep, so I thought they, uh, they went well. Um, obviously, that back three sevens connection, Martina... Uh, Wallace Sims and Luke Hume, who played well early before picking up a, a cartilage injury. Um, so they went well. And I think, you know, Mike Tolkien's got to be happy, right? In a way, win. Yeah, and you got um, some, some interesting plays that stood out for me. Just, you know, we, we're seeing on the talent level, uh, Ross Deacon taking a box kick over his shoulder, racing upfield, throwing laterally in full stride, a 15-yard 15 15-yard strike on the run that sets up. Is that how you pass? I don't pass. Uh, I, you clearly. can obviously tell. Clearly. Right, yeah. I, don't, I never pass. Passing's not for me. But that anyway. was stunning. You know, exceptional skills from a number eight in the open field. You also had some great play in hang, the lineup. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. These guys are professionals. They're paid to play rugby. I'm not used to it, though, they, they on should this have side these skills. of the pond, man. It's, it's, yeah. this, is what, this is what I'm trying to talk about. It. You know, this, this is all selling point. You get uh, Nate Brakely taking a line out off a great throw-in from Anthony Perry on, with one hand. One hand. It's great stuff. Okay. All right. But it was, uh, you know, you got the Battle of the Jesuits as a subplot. Northern California Jesuits from Jesuit High School versus Petri from Xavier High School in New York City. And Petri became man of the match in that one. Religion and rugby don't mix. All right. There you have it. Let's move on to the next segment. No. All right. So man of the match, Petri. Um, you had the grit ingredients. No, no. Not my man of the match. No, he was the man of the match. But, well, he was the man of the match as, as per Hightower and Dallin. So Fair who enough. Who's your man of the match? Joe Peterson. San Diego fly half. Looks very tasty. Great Most, run. I, he's the player of the week for me. Yeah. I knew nothing about him. I thought he was great. Well, I, have a different, I have a different player of the week, but we, we, are, we are allowed to disagree or, yep. or weigh in. Um, but, you know, one interesting little thing, side note, you because you got all kinds of subplots. John Quill, Lou Stanfield, roommates on the road for the Rugby World Cup. Love to hate each other. They would get into it at practice, but then they had a room together, and you saw a little back and forth between the two of them. And Lou Stanfield and John Quill are those guys with an edge that you want on your team. They're the grit. They have that hard edge. And if you don't, want, if you don't have them on your team, you don't want to play against them. True. Hard men both. All right, Steve, we're getting, we're getting the move to move along on to the next segment. So uh, you said your player of the week was Peterson. Yeah. I'm going to go... From a guy that was also kicking off the tee, Brock Stoller, who was stellar for Seattle. Guy was all over the pitch as a wing, but he made some key kicks. And it brings us to the point where, okay, you had a match that was won 20 to 18 in front of a completely raucous, unbelievable crowd at Starfire Stadium in Seattle. They've done such a great job up there. But with someone of your haute couture and uh, exquisite etiquette in all aspects of your champagne socialistic lifestyle, are you okay with people booming and making noise when the kicker is lining up, the opposing kicker? Oh, well, couture is, you know, dress sense. I know, I know. Well, look at you. I think you're referring to etiquette. Um, I, so, I, I'm referring to both. I did yeah. clearly say Right, both. so there's a couple of different schools of thought here, right? So the traditional rugby school of thought is respect for the opposition, respect for the kicker. So, for instance, somewhere like Munster, 
um, where they take it to religious levels. If you cough there accidentally, they will arrest you. Um, so it's, it's considered an insult, and that's to both sets of players, so they don't, they don't make a, a noise. Um, I'm actually okay with this because, and then there are other environments in professional rugby and elsewhere where it's, it's all on, right? Um, I think each, each venue, each crowd develops its own character. Seattle are comfortably either selling out, they've got a great atmosphere, and they are rowdy and are raucous. And if they want to make it intimidating for opposing teams, back to my point, they're all professional now, they're getting paid. I was a kicker, make the kick, don't make an excuse. Yeah, you've, you've been um, without mercy on that aspect of it, but I asked Brock Stoller uh, after the match what he thought about it, whether he, he liked the, the noise or not. He actually <laughs> likes it when it's noisy rather than quiet. The pressure oh, that kicks. Yeah. Oh, that that was probably the quietest I've ever seen, or you've probably ever seen at a game for a kick. You know, I was just picturing myself, you know, in a comfortable spot back in Australia when I was practicing a lot, and that's all I was thinking about, and had a smile on my face. It's crazy, but you know, you say it's as quiet as you've seen. Mm-hmm. Not if you're the number ten for the other side. No, you know, it's actually not that bad when it is loud, because it's just like you know, it's just you and the kick, and no big deal kind of thing. It's a little more eerie when it is quiet like that, but just you got to embrace the experience. That's interesting. So yeah. it. it it's more. It's more difficult for you when it's quiet. I think that, so. If you, if you ask the variety of kickers, I think most of them would say, if peak quietness, you know, trying to stay in that zone, stay slow, not rush yourself, get ahead of yourself. It's probably a little more tough when it's quiet. I didn't ask Will McGee, who had a bit of a difficult night from the tee, but if I had asked him, he'd be damned if he did and damned if he didn't answer that one because. After he missed one of the kicks with the Seattle fans making noise, they were going to make noise the rest of the match. It doesn't matter whether management says, hey, you know, that's not a good idea. Wind that up with the kicking thing and then go. Yeah, down. I mean, so one other thing probably on the next set and the next uh, when we discuss the next game, the, the best kicking performance of the weekend was Sam Windsor for Houston, who's seven out of seven, got them a victory 21-20. Um, so with regard to kicking, he was impressive. All right. So we'll, let's segue from the tee. Let's go to Sam Windsor, who had that stellar game in that monsoon down in Austin. Yeah, it wasn't one for the purists. Um, Austin's home opener, nice venue, though. The Dell Diamond is good. Miserable night, lots of rain, and that certainly affected the uh, quality of the game. Toe-to-toe, Austin, Houston, Texas, bit of um, local, local derby, I suppose. And at the end of the day, you know, Windsor pulled it out with um, you know an immaculate kicking performance. Yeah, and that was um, something that, I didn't see it as a win. I thought Houston would definitely lose to Austin. Kudos to Fitzy and that, that team for pulling that one out. And, you know, Austin's going to struggle, I think. Yep, week one. Week one. But, um, yeah, I think both the Texas teams might struggle. All right. So that brings us to another team that we thought was going to struggle, the NOLA Gold. And NOLA Nate and his imports of Aussies, and he's got Cam Nolan, and he's got uh, Bailey from Canada. They pulled it out. And another one that was up and down, a seesaw battle of sorts in New Orleans. Yeah, I, I didn't think New Orleans would struggle. I thought they had probably one of the better off-seasons in terms of um, filling in gaps that they had, which was up front. And as you say, Cam Dolan, number eight, influential. Uh, Kyle Bailey, um, Canadian flanker, playing well against his, all his countrymen. Um, they looked sharp off the off the bat. I mean, they looked good. The passing was good. It was crisp. The handling was threatening, and they dominated the game early. They looked really sharp to me. Yeah, you know, you had that. Uh, you had the Aussie imports, uh, Con Foley and Scott Gale, who was on the show, show last week. 
They seem to play well together. They know each other for a long time. And that freed up Elof at fullback. And he had a good match. Yeah, JP's a good player. Tim Open did well on the right wing too. Um, I actually don't, not sure Gale's a fly half. I thought that some of his um, kicking from hand, maybe just a bit rusty. Good player. Not sure he's a 10. Foley was good. So yeah, New Orleans, they're better. They are better. They raced off to a 24-7 lead and then almost blew it. But they didn't blow it because Tristan blew it, who was named as man of the match, had a great performance. That's very good. Well Thank done, you. well done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Completely off the cuff. As, as Mark Twain said, in, quoted by George Hook, it takes him three weeks to come up with an off-the-cuff remark. Exactly. That was a good one. Well done. Okay. Thank you. All right. Uh, but we are running out of time again, Steve. So how about Toronto? Toronto. Um, they'll be disappointed, right? Um, I was explaining a little bit more. From, I thought they were rusty. I thought they are uh, midfield defense. I got They got too constricted early on. They got beaten wide. Sort of fixed at halftime, made some adjustments clearly, and uh, and came back and you know made it a made a bit of a thriller towards the end. I think they'll get better, but um, I must say I was I was a little bit disappointed with them out, out of the uh, out of the gate. They did roar back in the yeah. second half. They had a great second half. And both those wingers instantly are good. There, yeah. no one knows Lloyd and um, Moore. Yeah. Both good players. Yeah, so I think they'll they'll be okay. I think they'll sort things out up north. Uh, but we are basically out of time in this segment, Steve. But we do have another MLR segment with owners James Kennedy and Pierre Arnaud of Rugby United New York. But on that note, on behalf of Steve Lewis, I'm Matt McCarthy for Rugby Wrap-Up, talking Major League Rugby in New York City, signing off. <laughs>